Hey, my friend, I'm really glad you're here today. We're talking about body image today. I call it the inner body bully, and I think we all have had this to some degree and continue to carry it probably more than we like to admit. One of the things that happens is when I sit down with a woman in a one-on-one session, inevitably, (laughs) if you've been in this, you know it, but we start talking about food and what it feels like to be in her body And the tears start coming and she starts apologizing. And I wish I could like put this in a pill and give it to everyone. But let let every woman know if you feel like that welling up inside your stomach and the tears tighten, you know, when your throat gets a little tight. If you feel that when we start talking about body image and how you view your body, you are not alone. It is a struggle that so many of us have, and my mission today is to bring that out, to talk about it so that it doesn't hold so much power, and then to give you guys some hands-on tools on how you can beat that inner body bully and learn to move towards a healthier, more empowered relationship with the very vessel that you have. I mean, if you think about it, our body is the one thing we live in our entire life. We move house to house, we get different cars, we have different relationships, but our body is the one thing we have with us always. And so learning to have a, not just healthy, but an empowered, sustainable relationship with it is so paramount. So I'm really glad you are here today as we break this down. Hey, I am Jess and I'm obsessed with all things nutrition, science, and helping you navigate this information while maintaining a deep sense of peace and empowerment in your body. I'm a registered dietitian who started out with an eating disorder and then fell in love with learning about how God intricately designed our bodies to be resilient and so much more than superficially beautiful. I am now a mama who loves to be healthy, not because of how it makes me look, but because of how it has transformed the energy I can give to my family, my friends, and you. On this show, we hit on real talk around the latest nutrition science and body image resiliency, all while balancing it between grit and grace. Think of this as your weekly audio coffee to encourage your empowered eating journey. This is the Fuel Her Awesome podcast. When my husband and I first got married, we were 21 years old, so babies, babies, and we lived in a 500, I don't even think it was 500 square feet, I think it was 475 square foot apartment. It was so small, but as soon as we had enough of a budget to move into a bigger apartment, we did. So we moved into a bigger apartment, and about a year later, we were fortunate enough to save and buy a house, and this was like that 2000 to, or 2007, 2008 housing shift where they were giving incentives for people to buy houses. So we were super blessed. We were able to get into you know, a house we really never thought we'd be able to afford. We stayed there for about four years. No kids, two incomes. We were able to save for a bigger house. So we got a bigger house. And it's funny, the cycle actually continued <laughs> for several years. We've been married for 16 years now, and we are living in our one, two, three, our fourth house. It'll be our sixth total place, but our fourth house in 16 years. And one of the things that comes with moving so frequently is that you, like, as soon as the house starts to get a little, like, worn down, you get it ready to sell. So you never have to, like, be in a house where, you know, things are breaking down and, you know, you're noticing the paint's getting really, really worn. I mean, because you take care of it. You take care of it at the two to four year mark, which is kind of where we are at. And you resell it and you move on to a new house. And 
This was something I didn't realize until this October. This October marks the fourth year in our current house, and we have no intention on moving. I mean, I've got two young boys, and I'm like, I'm not moving again until they can move their own rooms <laughs> because we're at this stage where as soon as I like put something away, they've gotten it back out or they've made another mess. So I'm like, we're not doing that until <laughs> they are old enough to, to help. And also, I mean, obviously because of the shift in the housing market, we are here to stay. But as we pass this four-year mark, all of a sudden I realized this house that when I purchased it four years ago, you know, it was a dream house. Everything about it was so pristine and beautiful. Four years later, I'm going, gosh, this paint is really wearing out. Oh my gosh, the shower door is breaking. There's a crack in our sink. Oh my gosh, the stucco. You know, I'm starting to see everything wrong with it. And it really got me thinking about how we view our body because we live in our body our entire life. And I think the longer we are in it, the more likely we are to just naturally start to notice some of the wear and tear and the breakdown like I see in my house. And it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of brain rerouting to see it like you did when we were younger. So I think of it like when in my house right now, yes, there are things I need to work on. I mean, you should see my banister. <laughs> my little boys think the banister is a playground and my dogs thought it was a chew toy and my other dog likes to bark at it. So my beautifully like once painted black banister is now there's a period or a portion of it that is completely shredded because my dog has barked out that window so many times that he has or she has completely worn down the paint. There's chew marks from where when my puppy thought the banister was a chew toy. And then all the way down, there's just like chipped off paint. It's getting loose from my boys thinking it is a playground. Now, <laughs> it takes a lot of work for me because my instinct is to walk up the stairs, see all the flaws and just like feel ugh, like I hate this banister. Oh my gosh, how am I going to get it taken care of? I don't want to do this myself, so I'm going to have to hire it out. It's going to be expensive. Like I go down that whole rabbit hole. But if I take a minute and I get to the top of the stairs and I pause and I think of what all those scratches and rifts mean, it means I have a really full house. It means my house is full of adventure and love and life. And when I can reframe it that way, sure, I would like to repaint it eventually, but it loses the sting. Like it doesn't feel like, you know, my house is breaking down and I need to keep up with it. Instead, it's like a posture of gratitude. And I think we need to do the same things with our body. With time, there is wear and tear and breakdown with our body. And the reason we have that wear and tear and breakdown is because we are living in it. You know, we are growing babies. We're going through really hard things. We don't have perfect sleep. And there is go there are going to be signs of that physically in our body. And instead of looking at that wear and tear as your failure or your breakdown or something that is wrong with you, I want to invite you today to shift that and look at it as from a posture of gratitude. Look at it as something that was given to you because you are living a really full life. So to help you get here, I want to do a couple things. So number one, I want to share with you a poem that was given to me by one of my clients. She's in college and she really struggles with looking at her body from this place of gratitude. And I think her poem is really powerful because 
I know you're going to relate to it. So that's number one. And then the second piece of today's episode is going to be diving into how we overcome this body bully. I've got some really tactical tips, and these all come from my Empowered Eating course. So if you like it, know that you can expand upon it inside the program, but I'm going to give you that today so you have some walk away tangible steps. Okay, so let's start with this poem. So this client of mine, I just absolutely adore this woman. I've seen her go from high school eating disorder, growing into college, figuring out who she is. And I think a lot of why, you know, I really feel what she feels is because I remember feeling this way. When I was in college, I I remember like not wanting to go out and just laying in bed crying because I was so embarrassed of my body and how I looked. I thought I was so unworthy of being anywhere because of my own body. And now I know it runs deeper than that. But I think you know, she gets it and she's in it. And I'm so proud of her for continuing to work through this because I can't wait for the day she sees what I see in her. And more importantly, when she sees who God made her to be. Okay, so here's her poem. What defines your worth? The world says your worth comes from many things. It's how pretty you are, how kind you are, what you do with your life, your popularity, how many friends you have, what you accomplish, your grades, your job, your body how much money you have, your perfect family, and how happy you are. But the world fails to mention a few things that come along the way. It forgets the tragedies, the heartache, the loneliness, the unattainable standards, the people that break your heart, the tests that you fail, the sicknesses, the struggles, the injuries, the emptiness, the self-loathing, the hopelessness, and the yearning to be anywhere but here. The world leaves no room for anything other than perfect. No matter how hard you try, you will only be left with a feeling of worthlessness and pain trying to attain perfection. There's only one thing that the world will always fail to tell you. There is no such thing as perfect. Perfect is created by perspectives and opinions, and those are ever-changing. So why listen to something that can't even make up its own mind? There is only one thing that will never change, and that's God. He calls you worthy no matter what, who you are, what you've done, how pretty you are, how happy you are, how, quote, perfect your life is, how many times you've screwed up, how broken you are, how hopeless you feel, how disgusting you think you are. He will always love you, even when you don't love yourself. And even when all you want to do is give up on the very precious life he gave you, he is always there. And I love that because... Ultimately, what she's saying in that poem is that, you know, we're told to be a certain way and live a certain way in our body, but the world forgets to tell you that life is really, really hard. So on top of like the normal wear and tear on our body from, you know, just growing puberty, if you had babies, there's all that. There's also trauma. There's stress. There's juggling two jobs and having kids and loss and divorce and life going a direction you didn't think it was going to go. There is so, there's so many things at play that make that standard even more real, unrealistic. And at the end of it, she wraps it up with this beautiful bow that, yes, like we're going to feel that way. We're going to feel that like sense of failure. Like we're never going to live up to the type of woman we want to be. But at the end of the day, It really doesn't matter because in the eyes of God, like we are worthy. We are supposed to be here. And we know that because we are here. (laughs) It wouldn't be any other way. So when we carry this new posture, the, the focus isn't trying to change our body. The focus now becomes how do we take care of our body 
even on these days, we really, you know, we just don't like it. You know, how do I walk up my stairs looking at my banister, like not liking anything about it and still appreciate that it's there? And this is actually the definition of positive body image. I love this idea for a really long time. I thought positive body image was loving your body, but that couldn't be farther from the truth. They've actually done a lot of research on this and found the best definition of positive body image. And this definition is associated with healthier habits, feeling more empowered, higher confidence, making more decisions. Developing positive body image is not loving everything about your body. It's learning to take care of your body, regardless of how you feel about it. So in other words, when you wake up and you're just like, oh my gosh, who is this woman? Like, what is this skin I'm living in? Positive body image isn't necessarily changing that thought. It's going, okay, I don't feel good in my body today, but here's what I'm going to do to take care of it anyways. And really standing up saying like, I'm worthy to be a being here, even in my messy self, even in my less than perfect, tired, fluffy self, I am worthy of being here. So here is how we can really take that body bully narrative and shift it. So the first and foremost is staying grounded in our values. You guys know I'm huge values fans. If you don't know what your top three to five values are, I want you to do that. You can go to my website, justbrownrd.com, download my my three steps to empowered eating. There is a guide there on how to identify your top values We need to know what is most important to you. And then from there, we can define what healthy looks like, what being successfully healthy really feels like according to these values. This is a huge shift because now it's not about being a certain size. It's about like, how do I want to show up for my family or for my job or whatever is on that values list? Many of us get here, but then we, you know, those old thoughts, they linger and it's really hard to change them. So once we have that grounding piece established, now we can work on shifting the narrative. And here's the really cool thing about shifting your narrative. Your brain is so dynamic. It is, there is something called neuroplasticity, which means every thought in your head has the ability to change. It can be molded and morphed into something different. But the thing is, whatever mental seed you water, it will grow. When you have a neural pathway about a specific thought. So like if I walk up my stairs and I see my banister and for so long I've been saying like, oh my gosh, I need to fix that. It's so annoying. Like that is my automatic thought. However, my brain is dynamic. And if I work on it and like, let's say I put a little sticker on the bottom of my banister that cues my brain to think of something different that reminds me, hey, I'm trying to rewire this thought. And I see that sticker at the bottom And now every step I take up the stairs, I try to say one reason I'm grateful for this house. Now I'm working on changing my neural pathways. I'm really engaging in something called cognitive behavioral therapy where I'm rerouting those thoughts and I'm doing it based on what I value. So here's what we can do. Number one, we have to be able to identify what our inner body bully is saying. We cannot change what we can't identify. And I think it's it's really troublesome how normalized or how we've taken a lot of the thoughts about our body and we've made them to be very normal. I mean, think about what you say to yourself throughout the day. Would you ever say that to someone else? And it saddens me how we we do it so often that it has become so normal. We don't even know it's toxic anymore. So step number one is to identify it. Now, inside my Empowered Eating program, we actually go deep into this and we talk about 
like the thought feeling urge cycle and how to break down and separate the thought from the feeling and the urge. And I think, you know, that if you're wanting to dive deeper into that, check out that module inside the Empowered Eating program. But for today, I just want you to do some inventory. What are you saying to your body? And then the second part is looking at it through the lens of how your friend might see your situation or how you speak to your body. Like, how would someone else respond to the situation that you're in? So, like, take again my banister. How would someone else respond to that banister? Honestly, they probably wouldn't even notice the things I notice. (laughs) They would probably see that it's a really cool color and it pulls out the chairs that are in my living room and it flows really nicely. And they would notice the big open stairway space that we have. They wouldn't even see the scratches. Maybe if I pointed them out, they'd go, oh, yeah, okay. But It would be so much less important to another person than it would me. So putting it through the lens of someone else helps us to reframe it and helps us to put it into perspective. When we put it into perspective, now we actually stand a chance of reframing it. So when I go up my banister and I take a step back and I'm like, yeah, somebody probably wouldn't even notice that, it gives me enough space to consider an alternative way of interpreting those scratches. Like when I see the teeth marks from my puppy, I'm like, but I loved having that puppy, right? And when I see the scratches from my other dog barking, it's like, well, I love her as a part of our family and I I wouldn't trade her for anything. And then the wiggly part of it, I'm like, certainly I would never want my kids to not play and feel comfortable in our house. But putting it through the friend lens first and thinking of like, how would somebody else respond to that gives us enough space to consider a different thought. And then once we can get here, now we can take the next and final step, which is empowered self-care. And that's just doing the next right thing. So, you know, for me in my banister example, old me would get to the top of the stairs and just like kind of feel defeated. Like, ugh, this freaking banister. And like, when am I going to fix it? I don't even know who to call. I'm just not a house savvy person. I, I, you know, that kind of stuff is very foreign to me. And so doing house projects feels really, really overwhelming. So these things stress me out much like I think a lot of us feel with our body. You know, we notice all the flaws and the things that are quote imperfect. And by the time we are done evaluating all our, all the things wrong with our body, it's like, we're so overwhelmed because we don't even know where to start in quote fixing it. But I think When we can take a step back and consider how someone else might view this imperfection that we're obsessing over, create some space, and possibly reframe it, now we can actually have energy to either, one, do something about it or not waste energy on it. So normally when I get to the top of my stairs and I've created space from my banister and I don't get trapped in you know, the obsession about keeping up with a perfect house, I get to the top and I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to call someone today. Yeah, I might do it in a year, but today it it is what it is. In this season of life, I just need to let it be. So I just let it go and I don't think anything of it. And the more I practice that, the less the thought gets. And now I, I don't notice those scratches any more than probably someone else walking into my house would. Or one day it's going to motivate me to actually do something about it and call a handyman because Lord knows I'm not doing it. I don't have the patience to paint my banister. (laughs) Hire someone to do it and come help me. 
And I think when we do this with our body, it it does the same thing. It's instead of just getting hung up on obsessing about what we don't like and looking in the mirror and body checking, body checking is a thing, which if you don't know this, if you're looking at yourself and every reflection, trying to make sure you look okay, that's called body checking and also not a healthy, normal behavior. When we don't get hung up on those things, it gives us two options. One, we can go, okay, am I going to do something about it? Is it something I have the capacity, the energy to focus on in this season of life? If the answer is yes, awesome. Then we can be productive with that. And we can do it from a grace-filled, productive standpoint, not a body-bullying standpoint. Or if you're not in a season where you have the capacity to you know, make exercise and meal prepping and food a priority, that is okay, sister. There, that's not meant to be the number one calling of your life. Now we can actually put that pressure down and quit carrying it around and just be in our body. When we can just be in our body, it allows us to take care of it. So even if you're in a season where nutrition and fitness may not be able to be the number one priority, that's okay. By coming to this place of acceptance and tolerance of your current body that you live in, I guarantee I put money on this. You will actually take better care of it as you can within your own capacity. So a lot of times women think like, well, if I'm not obsessing about it, if I'm not noticing it, if I'm not checking my body, then I'm just letting myself go. Do not confuse letting go of beating up your body with letting yourself go. Sometimes we just need to accept like we are doing the best we can. And my friend, our world today calls for so much on our plate between working and juggling kids and pets and keeping up with the house. And now we have to like prioritize going to the gym. It's a lot. And I really, truly believe you are doing the best you can. So if you haven't given yourself that credit today, I'm going to be the voice in your ear. Friend, you're doing the best you can. And that is okay. And if you come to this realization and start being a little nicer to yourself, I again, I would put money on it. You're going to actually take better care of your body. That is the empowered eating way. Okay, so here, let's do a little recap because I kind of think I went off on a tangent there. I feel really passionate about this. I just want you listening to like really feel that the body you are in is okay. (laughs) It is okay. And accepting that is going to serve you. It's going to serve you well. Okay, so back to our agenda. (laughs) The body bully that comes in, there's three steps we have to take. Number one, body bully inventory. We have to take note of how we're talking to our body. Number two, we have to take a step back and look at how someone else might view this thought about our body. Are we being overcritical? And that's going to give us space to reframe. And then number three is engaging in empowered self-care. Now, I didn't dive too much into this one, but essentially when we do steps one and two, it allows us to make like productive next steps. So like it helps us decide is it time for me to rest? You know, is the next step for me to start exercising more? Is it to have a day off? Is it to allow myself to set down the macro counting? Or do I need to become more aware of what I'm feeding my body? When we do steps one and two first, we're able to answer these next questions with a clearer mind. Now, if you liked this outline, guys, this is actually taken from my Empowered Eating Method, which is my signature program. 
where I walk through the four parts of empowered eating. This is from the body bullying module. And we dive in a lot deeper. I've got lots of tools in there. So this really just scratches the surface of what we do inside that program. So if you want to find out more about that, you can find it on my website, jessbrownrd.com. I also have a free empowered eating masterclass where you can learn about everything that encompasses empowered eating. So if anything, go check that out because that's going to lay it out for you in detail. My favorite part about this program is it allows me to connect with you in productive ways. So I created it because one of the things I found is that a lot of the conversations I have with women, while the story is unique, the tools are very similar. So the Empowered Eating Program walks through the tools that I essentially have given to every single woman I have worked with over the last 12 to 15 years. But then when I actually meet with them one-on-one, which is typically what we do either in the group coaching, which is a part of the program, or they will tack on one-on-one coaching on top of the program. When we do that, the conversations we have are a lot more productive because they're actually able to get all of the tools from the program. So it's really this beautiful combination, but I wanted to give you a little bit of the reason why I created that, um, the behind the scenes uh, insight, because I do think, I know, not that I think, I know that those tools are something that every single woman needs. And if you can take the time on your own to work through those, then if you decide to work with me one-on-one, guess what? We are having incredibly powerful and productive conversations. So so if anything, go check out the free Empowered Eating Masterclass because that's going to lay it all out for you. And if you want to find more about the Empowered Eating Program, that can be at JessBrownRD.com under courses. Okay, friends. So if you take anything away from today, I want you to take away this. We are hard on ourselves, really, really hard on ourselves. And we get more critical of our body. And I believe we get more critical of our body because we're with it all the time. You know, just like in my house, the longer I live in my house, the more critical I become of it. Or let me rephrase that. It's easier to become more critical because we're around it all the time and we forget just how beautiful it really is. So I I want us to kind of using this house analogy, tap back into like that first day I walked into my house. I'm trying to remember it. Oh, there it is. I can like feel it. I remember walking into this house and just feeling like it glowed. It was, the kitchen was redone. It was updated. The walls were freshly painted. I had this feeling that I was going to create a beautiful life in this house with my boys. And the reality is I am. And with that has come some wear and tear and our bodies are no different. Do you remember when you were really little and there's going to be different you know, ages that each woman relates to this. But at some point in your childhood, there was a time when you felt your body was the very connection to your world. And you had that same kind of hope that I had when I walked into my house that first day. Like, there's so much I can do with our body, with my body. There's so much I can explore. I mean, we see this in babies when they start to learn to walk. It's so cute when they do. I remember when my son did, he... You know, he took those first steps and it's like he celebrated because all of a sudden he realized his body was what connected him to the world and was going to be the very vessel that allowed him to live. My friend, the body you're in right now is no different. It's been through some wear and tear. It's been through some stuff. It might have some marks, but that's okay. 
it is still your connection to the very things you love and value. My friend, if you're struggling with any of this, I want you to know you're not alone and there is healing and there is hope. And I'm standing in hope with you today that you can live in your body regardless of what it looks like and feel empowered. If there's any other way I can help you, please reach out to me, JessBrownRD.com. And just in case you don't tell it to yourself today, I want you to know you are amazing and you are beautiful. Have a great day. Cheers and happy eating. Gosh, I'm so glad you joined me today. If today encouraged you, would you take a minute and encourage me by leaving a review for the show? I read every single one of these reviews and your words, they mean so much to me. This podcast is here to support you weekly, but it only scratches the surface. To learn more on how you can become an empowered eater, snag my free workshop, how to eat intuitively and hit your goals without obsessing over food at JessBrownRD.com. Don't forget to join me right here next Monday where I cannot wait to fuel your awesome. Cheers, my sweet friend, and happy eating.